0: my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, our mission to serve and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, whether you're an Android or iPhone user, I have a special warning for you when you're using apps, it could save you big money. Later, free college, it's being touted, sounds pretty good, huh? Is that a good idea? I'll tell you what I think. So... Both Apple and Google are being sued all over the place for how they run their stores, the App Store, the Play Store. And what these two have been doing is they use their shared monopoly control over the ecosystem of phones to put up toll gates to rip you off. A lot of cases, you're not even aware how much you're being ripped off. That when you download an app that comes with a subscription or purchases, it's marked up an additional 30% for the toll that they have to pay, the app developer has to pay to Google or Apple. And this is so different than the era of the PC, the MacBook, the Windows computer, or the Chromebook. That when you go to a website, you use any function on your computer, Apple and Google, and the people who manufacture Chromebooks and all that, they don't extract a toll. And so the cost of anything you pay goes to who built that service. Now, this is a huge deal with Apple self dealing trying to rip people off on Pandora and um, especially Spotify to try to get iPhone users to use Apple Music. It is true self-dealing where Apple is able to grab all this money and Google just is guilty in this area. And Microsoft, who quietly has become one of the most valuable companies in the world again, I mean, nobody really thinks about Microsoft. But Microsoft has come up with a way to get around this on phones that probably has the Google and Apple people furious where they've got a platform they've developed where on a phone you'll be able to access things web-based that operate like apps and avoid the rip-off 30% add-on that you have to pay right now in the App Store or in the Play Store. And so know that with apps you're using, that you're paying usually much more than you have to. And something that Google and Apple don't want you to know is you can download an app to your iPhone or your Android, and then go to the website of the provider and sign up for service and avoid the rip-off 30% add-on. It is a terrible, terrible thing. And come on, there's been these big, fat lies where particularly Apple has said, oh, well, you're paying all this because we're really making sure that no bad apps get into your life. And as you'll see in one tech story after another – There's all these terrible apps that have ended up on people's iPhones. And obviously, Google doesn't even make that claim because they let you download third-party apps. But they are not operating as a police officer for any other reason other than to extract bribes from you. And that's their deal, is to pretend that they're creating a safe environment in their walled gardens where the reality all it is is about them getting in your wallet and pickpocketing so i want you to know this i want you to be aware enough that you go outside of doing purchases inside apple the apple device or the google device the android or the iphone and pay for the services you're doing On the website, remember, that's the difference, even on your phone. Let's say you have Spotify. Go to Safari, or if you use Chrome as a browser on your iPhone, go to it, type in Spotify.com, go there, sign into your account, you pay there. And then Apple and Google don't get all that extra money, because it's your money that they're running off with. They act like they're your friend, but they're treating you like a chump. (laughs) Right.
1: <laughs> Joe in California says I've noticed more and more restaurants using new technologies to enable customers to order and pay for their meals through their cell phones or by using tableside kiosks. These changes certainly help to streamline restaurant operations and I assume to reduce staffing. If customers now have less interactions with wait staff, does the old notion of leaving a 20% tip still apply? I don't want to be a cheapskate, but I also believe tipping should be based upon service provided. So I'd love hearing your viewpoint.
0: (laughs) Joe, what are you trying to do to me? We have talked about this, and the technology has come about because there's such a severe shortage of workers that are interested right now with an aging population and working in restaurants. And you're going to see what you have experienced happen more and more where you will be doing in a full-service restaurant what's called the best service in the world yourself. You'll be doing your own (laughs) order, paying out your own check, things like that. And as to what you feel that's worth and what you feel you should tip, that's your call. Um, The people that are there are working uh, many, many more tables than they would have before. So they're working their hineys off, serving a lot more tables. Their stations uh, are bigger So let's say before when there was full, full service at a sit-down restaurant, they may have had five tables. Now they might have 10 is now in a lot of ways, they're a food runner. And so you decide what that's worth. I've continued to tip as before, and I don't even know why. I just have.
1: Okay. Tom and Georgia says, I need some advice to determine if I'm being unreasonable, which is not out of the question if you ask my wife. I recently took my daughter to a local children's hospital's urgent care. She was starting camp the next day and we wanted to make sure she didn't have strep throat. The urgent care staff ended up doing a throat culture as well as a specimen sample. When the bill came, I was shocked to see it was for $826.62, of which over 500 was just to be seen. There's another urgent care just down the street that charges $150 for new visitors, a fact I learned after receiving the outrageous bill. I've called and spoken to three levels of managers and they all say there's nothing they can do about the bill. I'm appalled and currently refusing to pay the bill to the point of being willing to take the credit hit. Am I out of line? Are there other avenues I can pursue or should I suck it up and pay the bill?
0: So Tom, what you have discovered the hard way is that anything you can avoid doing in a hospital emergency room, you want to do. And going to, the term urgent care is used for many different kinds of places, but going to a standalone will normally be a lot cheaper. Now, urgent care tends to be a term that could have prices all over the board. And With urgent care, it's really important to go look at the website for an urgent care center and see if they disclose prices. When they don't disclose prices, you need to at least call first and see if you really will save money. But the most expensive place ever to go is to a hospital emergency room. And what I would say in your case is you want to call the hospital and talk to a patient advocate. If you call the billing office, their only job is to collect money. They are bill collectors. They are debt collectors. And they are not going to try to make any deal with you. But if you call the hospital and find their patient advocate, which any large nonprofit hospital will have, patient advocates you'll see if there's going to be any wiggle room on the bill the problem in medicine is even though hospitals now are supposed to publish clear price lists try finding them at a hospital website the hospitals are hostile to this because they don't want people comparison shopping they just want you to pay the bill
1: From Patrick in Texas, I'm a huge fan and I listen to you almost every day. I was wondering what you thought about Alibaba.com. I haven't heard you discuss this before. A friend of mine told me it's the Chinese version of Amazon. Is there anything I should be concerned about if I choose to shop on this site?
0: So most Americans use AliExpress, which is a site that's geared towards us of Alibaba. And there's also Wish.com. And both of these are channels for you to buy really inexpensive stuff from China. A lot of the things will take uh, four to eight weeks to arrive. It's not like ordering from Walmart Plus or Amazon.com where your orders show up usually within two to four days. But they will be extra, extra, extra cheap. So it is your choice. Um a lot of people love ordering from AliExpress's competitor, Wish. And you should see what they have. These are almost like um, shopping, electronic shopping malls for third-party sellers. The goods will not necessarily be as represented. But a lot of times, you'll get things that are incredibly cheap. Keith warning, though, if you buy clothing from AliExpress, or from Wish, buy sizes much larger than you think you might need. Yes. <laughs> because the sizing is really funny. I remember years ago, I ordered a winter coat mm-hmm. ski parka from Wish, and I ordered, I wear uh, typically a medium, maybe a large, depending on the ski park I'll buy. I ordered a 4XL on Wish, And it was still a little tight on me.
1: Could have fit on your toddler back then.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) be aware of that when you order from Ollie or you order from Wish. And a lot of talk about free college education. And college is really expensive. I just paid my daughter's fall semester tuition for her senior year and It was pretty exciting because it means I only have one more of those to make, but college can be backbreaking. So hearing about free college, that sounds great, but is it really great? I'm going to talk about it straight ahead. I've talked with great excitement for many years about what the state of Tennessee has done. I think Tennessee has set a great example for the entire country. Tennessee recognizes as a state that a high school diploma no longer qualifies you for most jobs, and we expect public education to be available K through 12. That is The social contract in the United States. But a high school diploma isn't going to get it done for most anything most of us might want to do. So Tennessee came up with this plan for its residents where Tennessee residents can go to community college, state-supported community college, for free. But the Tennessee program has not been a flash in the pan. It's been successful because there's been a direct tie-in to the skills that employers in Tennessee are looking for. Duh! (laughs) I mean, that's why Germany has been such an economic and industrial powerhouse because they've always designed their education around the needs of the workplace. And so they have a big emphasis on apprenticeships and training and education for the jobs that need to be filled with skilled individuals of various levels of skill, from high-skilled to what's called middle-skilled now. A lot of what the Tennessee program does follows the spirit of that. There's another program in South Carolina which has a huge concentration of German employers that does a similar kind of thing for free for students in their technical colleges, state-supported technical colleges, where they get the skills that the employers need in the state of South Carolina for the manufacturing jobs that are so heavily available in the areas of Greenville and part of Charleston, South Carolina. And so this is, this is specifically not a welfare kind of thing. It is, I guess you could call it, workfare. It gets people trained so they can be well-paid, highly productive citizens and lend um, productivity support to the U.S. economy. Now, there's this idea floating around now out of Washington. There's one from the Biden administration. There's others on Capitol Hill about just making education free. There are some European countries that do that, that college is free or basically almost free. And old timers will know that in New York, you used to be able to go to what was called CCNY, City College of New York, and it was free. And a lot of people... Um, miss that that opportunity was available for low-income New Yorkers well the state of Georgia has something known as the Hope Scholarship that has been ultra successful and ultra popular and it is free tuition for Georgia high schoolers going to a state college who maintain a grade point average of higher than, I think, 3.25, I think is what it is. And then you have to maintain that while you're in college. So we have these three contiguous states, Tennessee, South Carolina, and Georgia, all with extremely strong, fast-growing economies that have all specifically invested in their youth to give them an opportunity to get the skills the marketplace needs so that they can fill jobs that the marketplace needs people for, and it's a perfect marriage of the interests of the citizens of a state, the employers that have facilities in those states, and it's great for the United States. So the idea of just blanket saying college is free, I don't support that. That is not at all fair, oh my goodness, sound like a kid. that's not fair, <laughs> but it's not fair in a society that two-thirds of people don't go on to get a college degree for them to be subsidizing through their taxes other people getting a free ride through college. On the other hand, I think having very targeted programs that probably are better done state by state than is the federal government doing it, where states work closely with employers to fill these skilled jobs that we don't have applicants for right now who have the skills needed, teach people those skills, let them learn them for free, and let them go get those jobs and help the American economy skill up and grow. Everybody wins from doing that. And that's what I think we ought to be up to. But just saying this is another entitlement, free college, no strings attached. First of all, that eliminates all discipline at the colleges to control expenses. Number one. Second, we'd have a lot of people getting degrees That have only soft skills to them no marketplace needed skills and there's a place for people getting just a liberal arts education but not with your and my tax dollars I mean I just don't see that as being equitable at all skills based for the marketplace that's what we need Krista
1: from Doc in Georgia, I've got a letter and a follow-up phone call from a company knowing my name and address saying they believe they have found money that is owed to me and that for no charge up front, they will recover this money for me at one-third of the proceeds for them. Is this a scam or what?
0: Doc, it's likely not a scam, but they're giving you a big heads up that there may in fact be money sitting out there for you from who knows what. It could be an insurance policy. It could be a a check of some kind you never cashed. It could be a deposit owed back to you. Uh, Some money from an ex-employer. There are a variety of reasons that money could be out there for you unclaimed. So there's a couple of websites I want you to know about. You should be able to score this money at zero cost by going to missingmoney.com, and if your state is not a participant in the Missing Money database, you can go to unclaimed.org. So, missingmoney.com, unclaimed.org. So, unclaimed.org is the website of the um, state property unclaimed office people. So, every state has a procedure When property of some kind, and property is not literal, but uh, stuff, money, whatever, that uh, the rightful owner has lost track of, or the company that has the money for the rightful owner has lost track of that owner, the money eventually does what's called a sheet to the state, I think is how you say it, I don't even know what that word means, where it comes from, but anyway, the money becomes the state's responsibility to attempt to reunite you with that money. So that is uh, one path. Missingmoney.com, unclaimed.org. Second, if you ever owned an FHA, a home insured with an FHA loan, there are millions of people that are due a refund from the FHA that the FHA doesn't know how to find them. Because remember, you sold that place, you moved on, and they lost track of you. So at FHA.gov, there's a link to see if there's money that the FHA owes you if you did ever have a home with an FHA loan. Start with those things. The One other that you might do is check the databases in the state of Connecticut because a lot of times insurance stuff, if they don't know where you are, it ends up in the database in Connecticut for you. And the more unusual your last name is, Doc, the easier it is for you to find yourself on these databases.
1: Doug in Ohio says, I'm going through a divorce and my soon-to-be ex is running up credit card debt on a card that I am an authorized user on. That being said, she has agreed to pay for the debt, but since she's using over 50% utilization, my credit has taken a hit. Would it be wise to take my name off the card so it doesn't show I'm responsible or write it out as it's considered my oldest account and has the highest limit?
0: Doug, first things first, I want to tell you, I'm sorry you're going through a divorce. It's a very painful time in your life. Um, I want you to go ahead and have yourself removed as an authorized user on this account. Being an authorized user was valuable to you and positive for you at one time. Now it has nothing but danger. You are not responsible for the debts that she is running up is only an authorized user, but will reflect on your record how that bill is paid or not paid. So go ahead and remove it, even though it will remove it from your credit mix. While your credit is still decent, go ahead and get another card, if you can still qualify for one, to replace some of that available credit that that card represented. And again, I wish you the best and your estranged wife through the process of going through your divorce.
1: Peter listens to the podcast on his morning jog. I don't know what kind of pace he's setting with that, but thank you, Peter. As slow as I
0: talk, so (laughs) it's a slow walk jog, I guess.
1: (laughs) I have a 401k question. I hear you talk about high fees with some plans. However, for the life of me, I cannot figure out what my fees are online or on my statement. Any tips to help find this elusive percentage? Oh,
0: Peter, this is such a hard thing to find out with a 401k plan. You have the right to call the administrator of the 401k plan and ask them to provide you to email you a disclosure document on the fees involved in the plan or to have them uh, help you through finding where the fees are hidden in the disclosure documents for your plan. This is a really smart thing for you to do if you were with a smaller company. Uh, smaller companies tend to be in ultra high cost plans that are really, really bad about doing good disclosure. So in a 401k plan today, your all-in costs become high cost as you move steadily above one-half of 1% total per year for your costs or your investments in your 401k plus whatever administrative costs that you're facing. And I want to thank you for joining us. For more advice, contact our free Team Clark Consumer Action Center. The info and hours of operation can be found at clark.com slash CAC.